what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. Friday, April 10th, 2020, episode number 127. It seems like I just talked to you yesterday, Carter. You did. Oh, okay. Well, happy Friday. Happy Friday to you too, sir. How the hell are you? I'm great, and how are you? I'm good. You've had a busy week this week. Yeah, so we finally unveiled the project I couldn't talk about because we didn't know if it was really going to happen because Florida got quarantined, but uh, we did a project and we uh, played it last night, or we, we did it last night on Facebook, and it's the AFT show with Scotty Dubler. I wasn't sure they are going to throw my name in there, but I appreciate it. And last night we had the jammer Jared Meese and the piper Brian Smith on there, and it was, it was pretty fun. We were on there for about an hour, and uh, I, I had a really good time. It's always fun to watch them to go back and forth. You drove the conversation pretty well, gotta say. Hell of a job, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I, I might have popped in and threw a comment in there once I saw them play that last lap from 2016. Uh, damn, dude, I gotta say. Santa I get, Rosa. I get chills yeah. even thinking about it now. I, I don't know, I just made some st- I was I was gonna like be in there like posting 100 comments but I figured I'd just post that one well there was a lot of people leaving a lot of comments I think it's a good thing so we'll just have to see what happens I think it's cool to have uh, another platform out there there is nothing wrong with putting more flat track content out in the universe I love it and uh dude it's good it's, it's always good to see the faces of the people while you're talking to them it's good to check in with these guys and girls every once in a while and see what the hell they've been up to especially since we're all kind of starving for new content so I say bring it on Absolutely. And that, that was our pilot. So next time we're going to try to get it where we can answer questions from the fans. I know there's no way we'll get to every question or comment that came through because I was watching and they were just, you know, stacking them up and they went so fast. I was missing a lot of it. But uh, I think it's really neat that, that people can engage with our athletes. Maybe it's a little bit different than some other sports, you know. So I think that I think it's pretty cool. And, and I, I can't wait to do more of those shows. Now, it's good that they're working on putting that stuff together and uh, giving the fans something during this time. Right. Because, you know, we're all. We're all hungry uh, for flat track content, so it's good to see. I like how they integrated videos, um, showed some old races, brought back some old memories, and uh, talked to the riders about it while we're uh, while we're not racing. So any content right now is good content, so I, I'm, I welcome it all. I love it. What else did you do this week? Stayed inside with my girlfriend. We didn't do a whole lot. We went grocery shopping one day. We wore our face masks. I thought, uh, you know, went and bought some ammunition just in case, you know, <laughs> in case our neighborhood gets crazy, but... Uh, it's just been, it's just different. You know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to put it into words, but it's like a ghost town out there until we got to the grocery store and it was packed. I'm like, what the heck is everybody doing? So we made a quick dash through the grocery store. We're going to try to go to the grocery store again next time, like late at night when there's not very many people out there. And I heard that's the secret and, and uh, we're gonna try that next time. So we'll see what, how that goes. Gotcha. Yeah, man. It's crazy in every city, man. I've seen like all these drone videos of like empty streets of Philadelphia, like New York city, Times Square is empty. It's kind of nuts, but yeah, man, staying inside, taking as few trips outdoors as you can to to get what you need and get back. I guess it's just the smartest thing we can all do at this point, but yeah, like we've said multiple times, we're ready to go racing, so hopefully that happens sooner than later, Uh, but in the meantime, we'll be here every Friday. That's right. I got to ask you, we saw this great big long story on your personal Facebook page. Have you gone swimming yet? (laughs) It's funny you ask. We actually jumped in the pool for the first time today. How was it? It was cold as shit. Really? Very cold. Wow. I thought it was warm enough down there. It'd be all right. It's been... It just uh, doesn't get, 
doesn't get enough sun, right? Correct. Is that why? Yeah, it hasn't been in the sun a lot, and it's only been. We had a cold front here not too long ago. It got back up up pretty warm the past couple of days. It's been like in the nineties past couple of days, so it was warm enough to jump in, but not warm enough to stay and enjoy it. Well, it'll be there though, and it's going to get warm here real soon. I'm sure that'll happen. Uh, you know what? At least it's warm enough where you can go outside and have your windows open. When we talked to Smith on on the AFT show, he said it was snowing. Snowing in Michigan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I bet. Crazy. That's insane. Um, I also saw some weird photo on your social. What the hell is that all about? You were like all armored up. Is that when you bought the ammunition? <laughs> what was that? Were you guys drinking that day? Or what the hell? What's no. going on there? So. So there's a big shop out back. And so it's been kind of a collect all forever. It, you know, this is I, I live in my dad's old house. So when he got married, him and his wife went to a different house, a bigger house. And so there's a shop out back. That's where we used to. That was the race shop when I was racing. So since I retired and since he moved away, different people have lived here. And we just kept the, the shop back there as a as a as a place to put stuff. And it's been a collect all. So my stuff's back there. Uh Paw's stuff's back there from when they moved from Missouri back back here to Oklahoma. So some of his stuff's back there. Some of my dad's stuff's back there. I'm finding some really old helmets. I'm going to start posting some of that stuff on my on my Instagram account. Uh, but but Shelly, my girlfriend, said, put that on. So I put it on, and she goes, you got to put that on Instagram. So, you know, just goofing around. I, it's an Under Armour deal for when you wear, like, some motocrossers wear that stuff. And, and when you're motocrossing, you can't really see it because you just have a jersey and it's loose. But uh, it's just Under Armour. I was just kind of goofing off. But uh, it, it got a huge response so uh I've, I've dug up some more stuff and i'll be doing that every couple days you're talking about getting some ammunition and then i see you posting that photo i'm starting to worry what's going on in oklahoma man but good to know well, everything you know safe. The, the tiger king's not too far away but he's <laughs> locked up so so that's one good thing <laughs> if i hear another damn thing about that tiger king well hold on before we leave the tiger king oh, just boy. be thankful that you're down there because he's in oklahoma and that everybody thinks oklahoma's all redneck and stuff like that and he is not helping our image one bit. Yeah, well, Carol Baskins is supposed to be in Florida, so I don't... Yeah. Is she trying to shoot you, too? No, nah, I don't... Shut you down? Yeah, she might be trying to shut us down. If she tries that, <laughs> I'll just hire somebody to take her out. Or we just hire somebody to follow us around and, and film everything like a documentary. That's even that's an even better idea. We can get Evan Sen. <laughs> Evan Sen from yes. Fast and Left. Yes. Have her own little Tiger King. There probably could be a documentary done. Well, there is. I mean, shit, that's what fast and left is to some extent but there could be a documentary done about the world of flat track not as interesting as tiger king but people would want to watch it it could be i mean it could get pretty interesting i've seen some crazy stuff throughout my uh 47 years in this wonderful sport so it'd be kind of fun i get it it was entertaining for a bit but dude i cannot it's everywhere like it was at the damn there was like a the press conference that they held somebody asked a tiger king question the other day i just to donald trump i've heard enough of it heard enough of it well, let's talk some flat track, man. Still not a ton going on in the flat track world, but we've got an awesome couple of guests. We got two guests this week. Uh, one is a guy that's been doing some really cool stuff in the flat track world. I'm not even talking about taking a motorcycle out and doing something, whether it's ice racing or dirt track racing. Uh, he's actually taken to the gaming scene and uh, done some really cool stuff in the flat track world. So we'll talk to him. And then uh, you got a call from Brian Smith. What's that about? So Smith called me up and he said, man, I love the podcast with Ricky Howerton, who that's who he rides for. They're they're a team. And he goes, I got some things to add to that. So 
I was like, cool, man. Would you like to come on the podcast and talk about it? And he said, yeah, absolutely. So uh, we not only talk about what his thoughts are on Ricky Howerton, but we'll dive in and get, get some more information from Brian. On um, one stipulation, you don't just copy everything you talked about on the AFT Live show the other night. What do you think? Absolutely not. I love it. No, it's good stuff. Um, always love talking to Brian Smith. We knew that he would love the Howerton episode, right? Who wouldn't love listening to Ricky Howerton talk flat track for for an hour or so um but hopefully he has some cool stuff about to add on to that one and uh, he's got some to, some other stuff to talk about i think on the on the jared meese front right yeah so i guess he he told me that he heard meese talking a little bit on that other podcast i'm not going to say names but that's tank slapping yeah, tank podcast slapping, that tank slapping podcast he said <laughs> meese said a few things that he would like to answer or maybe kind of have a little rebuttal too so interesting i'll have to ask him about that too when we get him on the line look forward to it well let's uh let's give our first guest a call uh you actually know this guy from the ice racing world right yeah, absolutely. He's a cool dude. I talk to him at every ice race that I've done the last, you know, the last couple seasons. I haven't done a whole lot, but every time I see him, I always go up and say hi. He's got a big smile on his face, and and he's just glad to be out there racing with these guys. and And he does a good job. He's uh, he's a super personable guy, and I like what he's doing right now with some e racing. Dude, it's so cool. I found uh, found a group that he was in on the Xbox side chatted it up a little bit online and i said hey dude we got to have you on this week's podcast to get this story so um let's give him a call his name's dustin paul living in colorado and racing the ice racing series let's chat him up dial it up hello is this dustin paul number 23 uh yes it is this is scotty dubler it's the one and only. There, I don't think there's anybody else with my name in the world. So I think I'm a, I'm very lucky because my name's uh, I spell my first name a little bit different. My last name is totally awkward. So I don't think there's any other Scotty Dublers. But uh, I was trying to think back when the last time I saw you was what ice race did I see you at this winter? Oh goodness, it was probably the last one that we went to was Iowa. Oh, the okay. Oh, I want to say Sioux, Sioux City, Sioux Iowa. City. Okay, Sioux City, and that's where he gave yep. me a couple stickers, right? Yes, sir. And yeah, man. And you as well. Yeah, yeah. I gave you some off-the-groove stickers. So I uh, I still have to give mine. Uh, you gave me one or a couple of them, so I'm giving one to Graham, but I haven't got over there and still stay in quarantine and all that stuff before I go over and see her. But I'll get her, make sure she gets a Dustin Paul 23 sticker. So uh, what have you been doing? <laughs> are you quarantined? Are you working? Are you, are you going to school? What are you doing right now? Oh, uh, well, we're we're still working. Happy Happy to be getting paid, you know. Yeah. What kind of job you got? So I'm doing fire suppression. I install fire sprinkler systems in like schools and churches and stuff. Right now we're working on a, a big cooler in a Sam's Club, actually. Well, that's cool, man. I'm I'm glad you still got a job, still bringing home some income. I'm kind of sitting here twiddling my thumbs and uh, hoping something starts coming my way pretty soon. So I'm just excited for life to get back to normal. I don't know what it's like up there, uh, but I'm you know down here in Oklahoma, it's 90 degrees out, and I'm sitting in my house. So I'm just bored out of my mind. Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine. Right on. Well, we called to get to know you a little bit, and then we're going to talk about some e-racing. But up first, let's let's get some background. Uh, so where was Dustin Paul born? So I was actually born in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. I lived there for like four years until I started racing dirt bikes, and then we ended up moving way up north to a really small town called Mora, where I was basically raised. So is Mora up north by Duluth? Um, so it's actually halfway in between Duluth and, uh, Minneapolis. So it's like an hour and a half from each. Okay. And so you moved up there to race motorcycles. Is that, is that how I understood that? Yeah, exactly. So we were kind of some city slicker folks that, uh, ended up 
getting a dirt bike and uh, moving up north so I could race dirt bikes all the time instead of being in the city. Okay. So was that motocross then? Um, no, we, uh, so the way I got into it actually was my, my uncle Jesse, um, got, brought me to a race and his coworker had a kid who raced and he's like, Hey, is this something that you'd want to do? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. So he ended up getting me a dirt bike for my birthday and we rode it a whole weekend. And then I want to say it was the next weekend we went out and did my first race and, I, I did like second to last or something like that, but I had a lot of fun doing it. So we stuck with it and that's why we ended up moving up North. Okay. What track did you grow up racing up there? I don't even, I can't think of any flat tracks up North Minnesota. Oh my goodness. So there's two really, really awesome ones that used to be there. They're no longer there anymore. Um, Robert Anderson, who's Kevin Anderson's dad put on the best cushion short track like in existence besides Springfield and the only reason he put it on there is because we wanted a track similar to Springfield short track right on and oh that that track was immaculate uh I know you know Jake Matea and Kevin Anderson well yep. I grew up watching those guys battle pretty much every single weekend and Kevin pretty much won every single weekend but Jake Matea was my favorite just because he was kind of more not the underdog, but he wasn't there all the time. So when he'd come and beat Kevin, it was kind of unseen. And I really liked that a lot. Right on. So were, uh, they're, they're, they both have brothers that race too. Were they racing against you or did you race against their brothers growing up? Um, so I raced a little bit against Nick, um, Nick Matea is Jake's younger brother. And then uh, I did most of my racing against Kevin's youngest brother, Cole. So it'd be okay. me and him going back and forth pretty much every year. All right. So how long did you race? Did you make it up to the pro ranks? So I raced from age five until I was about 17, 18. It's when I started falling off. Racing in the pro class became a little more expensive. And my dad was just a factory worker, you know, and I was just still in high school. So it was getting a little expensive. So we weren't making it to all the races. And we were just kind of falling off. I don't know. <laughs> Once I graduated, I actually ended up moving out to Colorado. And the only thing I really had to my name at that point was just my little Honda Accord. And that's when I started my job. Okay. So you're in Colorado now? Yes, sir. Where at? So it's a city called uh, Westminster. It's just right okay. right outside of Denver, like halfway yeah. in between Boulder and Denver. I gotcha. So you've been out there for how long you've been in Colorado working? So I've been out here for five years. Okay. Six years this summer, actually. I got you. So at what point did you jump back in and decide you wanted to start racing again? Um, so I want to say it was about a year and a half ago. This, this crazy kid, Blazing Blake Svensson, I, I know you know. Yeah. Um, he decided uh, he was coming out here to one of the ice races, and I lived like right next to the arena. So he messaged me and asked if he could stay at my place and stuff because he knew that I lived close. And I was like, sure, dude. And then I told him that I kind of wished I was racing. He's like, well, I got an extra bike on the trailer if you want to race. So okay. I ended up riding his extra bike and made the main event. And, you know, I met Ken and Christy, the people who run it and everyone there. And everyone was just really welcoming. And so that's why I started doing that. Okay. So is that that's why you just picked ice racing and just kind of fell right into your hands, basically, right? Pretty much. I mean, it, it one after I got to know everyone or after that weekend spent with everyone, it was just like, 
I, I got to do this. I got to get back to this, you know. I did that one race, and then the following summer, I rode at the Anderson's house. They have a little private track there that Brad Baker's did a little bit of riding at. And I know Kevin, they've posted some awesome pictures of their beautiful short track that they have at their house. And I did a ride, a riding session there for the weekend. And I, that was the deciding factor The the next three weeks, all I could think about was riding again. And so I ended up going and buying a bike and I knew the ice season was coming up. So I was like, well, I had so much fun doing that. I'm going to, I'm going to go and do that. That's cool. So your first race back was in 2018. You raced one ice race. You made the main 2019. You finished third in the point standings and you were the rookie of the year. So how would that make you feel? Um, it made me feel pretty ecstatic. You know, I just basically just picked up right where I left off from, you know, I mean, we were always battling back and forth and in our classes back home. And once we left, we were just getting into the pro class. So, I mean, I feel like I was just basically picking up the pieces of from where I left off back home. Right on. So who who's the, you know, for people that don't go to the ice races and, you know, I, I go to as many as I can, but who do you think is the stiffest competition right now in the, the world championship ice racing? There's two people that are untouchable in that series and it's Jeremy Orr and Jake Mattia. Jeremy Orr really has, has that indoor short track dialed. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> At this point right now, I would say he's the kid to beat. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. He was, I don't think he's been beat yet this year, if I remember right. And I think they're they're calling it a year because of uh, the corona and stuff that's going on. So I think they're all done. But what's the difference between racing on dirt and racing on ice? Can you put it in your words? Oh, my goodness. So ice is it's like a 30-second chess match. You have to think really, really fast, and you just have to make all your moves and not regret anything that you do because at the end of the day it's just racing and you're there for fun anyway right on i like that so on dirt you have a little bit more time the tracks are bigger so you don't have to be as quick-witted and and make as quick reactions is that what you're saying that's definitely part of it but i'd say the bigger thing is the lap count in in ice racing you only get four laps in your heats so either you get a good start or you start pushing people out of your way so you can make the main event (laughs) absolutely so let's take a look back at your your first full season back you know rookie of the year third in the points were you happy with your results that year oh my goodness i was so ecstatic it was it was basically a dream come true the first three rounds i podiumed each the or I should say I podium the first three rounds. And then from there, it was just, I made every single main event except for the last one of the year. So I was ecstatic. Right on. So this year you didn't, you didn't run all the races, but you still finished up ninth in the points. I, I guess they're finally calling it a series. I don't know. There's still one left, but I think they're, they're calling it, but ninth in the points, but you didn't run all the races. So uh, just decided to stay home and work or, or why didn't you run all the, the whole series this year? No, work's really been keeping me busy, and I was going to take my program a little bit of a different direction this year. I was going to go down to Arizona Bike Week and hit the big big event that they had down there at the end of the month, and obviously all that got canceled, so it's just been kind of hectic lately. I don't know. <laughs> I got you. So when, when the corona stuff goes away, are you going to race any dirt uh, this summer? Oh, definitely. We have a we have a beautiful groove short track down here in Colorado uh, at IMI uh, Motorsports Complex. Right on. Is that that's up like right near Delano, right? Somewhere right around there, or uh, Frederick um, exit, something like that. I'm trying to think. I think I raced there yep. before. Yeah. Yep. Oh, there. A, yep. You know. 
Yeah, it's a really flat, black dirt racetrack. It was what when I raced there. I I think I remember winning a couple of races there. That's a cool place, man. I think you'll fit right in because it's it's kind of tight, like the ice racing, isn't it? Um, it's it's a little bit bigger. It's a nice little quarter mile, I would say. Well, cool. Well, the reason we called to talk about some e-racing, I've seen some i-racing on TV, and Carter's kind of got me turned on to this e-racing. And, you know, a lot of younger riders have, have always been into video games, but the problem is there's there's not been a dedicated flat track game for us to play. Uh, back in the day when I first was a gamer, I guess, back a long time ago, the first game, I, I you know, motorcycle game was Excite Bike. I mean, do you even think back that far long ago? Do you remember that game? I actually do, Scotty. That was the first game that I can remember playing actually over at the Anderson's house growing up. All right. Kevin was the only one who could do the big, like, I don't know if you remember the desert track that had like a big, like double over the Grand Canyon. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. And so, Man. and Kevin was the only one that could do that and we couldn't figure it out and he wouldn't tell us the secret, but yeah, that's the last, uh, N64 game that I guess remember playing with dirt bikes. That is old school. So have you transitioned into other racing games since Excite Bike, or do you play other kinds of games? Oh, yeah, definitely. So I run a whole league, or I've been running a league for uh, Supercross, the game, for a while now. Okay. And that's been going pretty well. We have like 40 guys that race that consistently with us on a weekly basis. So. And that's the Supercross game is it itself? Is that what you're talking about? Yep. It's, it's literally called Supercross, the video game. Okay, and is that on Xbox, PlayStation 4? What kind of game console you got? Um, I play it on Xbox, but it's available on all of them. Well, that's cool. So let's talk about this uh, e-racing league. How, how did you even start thinking about having a league just for Supercross game? Well, I had a group of friends that I basically played every night, you know, because after work, we, we all worked the same shift, and so we'd get off at work, and we were all playing at the same time every night. So we're like, well why don't we just create a series out of this and make it a little interesting? So we all sent each other like 10 bucks and we did a payout at the end of the year. So it was, it was pretty fun. And that's how it all basically started. That's crazy. So do you keep track of all the points or how does it done all by the computer or how does that work out? Yep. I keep track of all the points on my Google docs on my computer. My roommate is actually in the process of teaching me how to use the spreadsheet so I can do everything a little faster. <laughs> So do you guys look at the points before? I mean, is it like chasing a championship in real racing? Do you look at the points at, you know, week in and week out? Like, like when I was racing, I always went and, you know, you always want to win a championship or something. So in, in this e-racing, you guys look at the points and talk trash to each other and stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. It's a lot of fun. Right on. So in 2016, there was a game that was released that flat trackers have recently come to love. Tell us what that game is and why there's flat trackers are, are flocking to it and playing it more and more, especially right now during the coronavirus. You know, everybody's sitting at home. Well, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure when this game first came out four years ago, a lot of flat trackers bought it. But online gaming wasn't really that big, or at least like the racing wasn't, you know, it wasn't really too developed or anything like it is now. Right. And so it wasn't really known and no one ever played it. And so whereas now, you know, every it's kind of came a long ways and I everyone knows how to do I I mean I should say most people know how to do lobbies and figure out all that that stuff that goes along with um creating your heat races and all that. So it's a lot easier now a days I feel like than it was 4 years ago. All right. 
Well, that's cool. So along with this game and your knowledge of a Supercross league, you saw the opportunity to start your own flat track e-racing league. So is that, again, along with the same ideas as what you did for Supercross, or did you have a totally different idea to get this league going? It's basically the same exact idea. My buddy Andrew Hook actually posted on Facebook that he was having a smaller event, and they were just all going to post their fastest times for the weekend, and uh, the winner was going to get like five bucks or something like that. And then I was just like, well, let's make it fun for like a bunch of people instead of just us local friends from back home, you know? Right. That's what I did. So you have, I I know there's only a couple of dirt tracks on there and I know you can do time trials. So do you pay off as your fastest lap time? Are you paying off on your fastest main event time or how does, how does the payoffs work? Oh no, we we do races like actual races. So when we do a heat race, it'll be like anywhere between six to 12 people. And then we'll take either one, one to three people to the main event. And I, I keep track of everything, and I have a group of um, admins who are lobby hosts, and they will yeah. send me pictures of their heat races, and so then I know who makes the actual main event, and you know it's all posted on the, our Facebook group from there. Okay, so it's all through a Facebook group, so everybody knows what time to get on and and what heat race to get into and stuff like that. I guess I'm I haven't been in in one of these groups like like you're talking about. So is that how everybody knows which heat race to get into and stuff? Exactly. So like what I'm gonna do is I will go through all of the people who posted their their gamer tags, and a gamer tag is um, like an online profile for Xbox. And okay. so I'll go through, add everyone's gamer tags to a list. And then I go to a random random list generator on Google, and yeah. I'll throw everyone in the random list generator, and then I'll take um, you know each say one through ten and throw them in a heat, and then the next eleven through twenty is heat two, and then you know so on and so forth. And that's how we do our heat races. So it's all random. And it's all you all race on the same track. And so how do you how many people will will join and play in one night? Like tomorrow night, you got to You got to set up. It sounds like how many people do you think will show up tomorrow night to race? It'll be probably uh, around 60 people. I want to say like right now, there's at least 50 people that have commented their gamer tags and it's wow. been growing day by day. So that's awesome. So how many people will make the main event? Only 12. Oh my gosh. So it's just like going to a Steve Nace race or, you know, almost similar to a grand national too. I mean, a grand national, they let 18 of them in there, but at the Steve Nace races, only 12 make the main. So does everybody else kind of, will they get to sit back and watch if they don't make the main event or they just have to wait and see how the, how they, how the standings unfold. I mean, is there a way for a spectator to watch this sport? So right now we're doing some live streams basically from people's screens that they have during the game, but Um, We're working on doing some highlight reels and after the races and whatnot. So then everyone can see what actually happens. It's still, it's still kind of a a process in the works, you know, with with it just everything happening so fast. Dude, I get it. I love it. I think it's awesome. So how can people find you to get to join this league? Is there a Facebook group that they need to look for? I mean, are you, do you want more riders right now? Are Are you wanting more competition? I mean, really right now is we're looking to kind of get some of the pro guys involved. I know I've talked to Bronson about having him race and he said he wants to race, but he's been busy with actual practice and obviously practice is going to come before a video game, but 
he's definitely been interested and in wanting to get involved. And I told him to get Briar involved. And this weekend, actually, Maxwell is using Briar Bauman's Xbox to race the race this weekend. So that is cool. There's, there's a lot of stuff in the process. We're trying to get a lot more of the pros involved so we can have it be a little more interesting for the fans. But um, at, at this point, pretty much everyone's welcome. Okay. So at this point, too, so the pros will race against. I guess an amateur, which an amateur gamer could be the same thing as a pro gamer. I mean, uh, but everybody races against each other right now, right? Yep, exactly. Uh, I want to say this like 12 year old kid. I don't, I don't know his exact age. Sorry if I got it wrong, but, um, Ethan kitchen was the winner of last week's race. And that kid is ridiculous on the video game. I cannot believe it. Really? I want to say it's Brandon. I want to say it's Brandon kitchen's younger brother. Yeah, I, th- I think it is. I think you're right. That is cool. So you had a race already. You're racing again this week. Are you doing them weekly right now or, or are you trying to do more than that? Yeah, we're just doing weekly races on Friday nights just so people have something to do during all this craziness going on. Well, that's cool. And one more question on this. Uh, say you have 50, you know, 50 people sign up and race. What's the purse? Is there a purse per race or is it for the point series or how does that pay out? Um, well, at this point, we're just pretty much open to anything. Um, I had a bunch of friends donate. La- I shouldn't say a bunch of friends. I had three friends donate last week, and the purse was $250. We ended up paying the top 12 and then the first top two in a B-Main event that we actually held from all the people that didn't make the main from the LCQ. That is cool. So uh, are you going to have a, a like a 10-race series and have a championship, or have you decided that yet? So, yeah, we're, we're making it a five-race championship as of right now, and then we might okay. start over and do another five-race championship. But, yeah, as of right now, we're just going to do a five-race championship. And um, I think for the winner, what I think I'm going to do is have my graphics lady um, make me a plate for the winner. That'd be awesome, man. That cool. is, that's really cool. I think that's so cool to have a big, a big number one, number one plate. I heard Dalton Gauthier has even donated a jersey to, you know, to some of the winners. Or to a winner. Yep. For, yep. Tonight, Dalton's donating a jersey for the race, and the winner's going to receive that. So we're pretty stoked about that. That is awesome. We're going to have to have some of the winners up on, on, on Off the Groove, too, so we can talk about their race and how about their season and all that stuff, man. I think that's awesome. I also heard uh, Andrew Butler currently fifth in the point standings right now. Yeah, he's kicking butt, man. It's 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 a lot of fun. Yeah. So how are you doing in the points? Are you, are you up there? Are you hanging out? Are you watching or are you playing? So, uh, I'm not going to say I had a little bit of input on the heat races or anything. I ended up making the main event from, from my LCQ. Yeah. All right. (laughs) And so, uh, I ended up eighth in the main, so I can't really, can't say I was too slow. I didn't get last. So it's it's been a lot of fun. That's good. So there's only been one race. You got another one tonight, which is Friday night, and then uh, the rest of the season will play out. Man, I think it's really cool what you're doing. Uh, We got to have fun in these tough times right now, and I I think there's no better way to do it than playing a video game, man. I think it's awesome. Yeah. All right. So I don't know if you ever met Graham, but she knows who you are because I guess she knew you were a Minnesota boy. But uh, Graham's question to you is uh, she's watched a lot of ice racing through her life. You know, she she was raised up in South Dakota in Sioux Falls and she used to watch them on the pond out there and, and the lakes and stuff like that up north. And she was so impressed by the World Championship Ice Racing Series that you race in. But she wants to know which do you prefer racing on the lake ice or indoors ice and why? Oh, that is such a tough question, Scotty. 
Um, it really depends on the day. They both have such awesome pros. I mean, there's really not a con to either one except for being cold. I mean, you can get yeah. cold at either one of them. Right. Um, pros, I would say, for indoor ice racing, there's no other atmosphere like it. I mean, you're basically like a superstar. It's like super cross feel, you know, but yep. then you go outdoor, outdoor ice racing and riding and you're just with your friends all day. And it's just a hoot, you know, you can't really complain about that either. So yeah, uh, I get it. just being on a dirt it. bike is fun no matter what. So that was a really there tough question. Well, Graham's always got the tough questions. That's why she has uh, one of our last questions on the podcast. So we are now time for some rapid fire questions. So tell me the first thing that comes to mind when I ask you the next few questions. Are you ready? I think so. All right. What's your favorite bike you've ever ridden? Ooh, probably my Honda CRF 450. All right. It's pretty all right. pretty lame pretty lame answer, but I haven't ridden many oh. bikes out there yet. That's I'm looking forward to riding a friend a friend of mine's honda uh 600 framer? i couldn't tell you much more about it yeah it's a yeah. framer honda 600 yeah. garrett brittenham's building it and it's a beautiful bike so nice that'll work good up there at that short track that you're talking about right by your house that'd be that'd be a good bike for that one so uh the next rapid fire question dirt track or ice racing ice racing all right favorite video game Ooh, um probably supercross or valentino rossi the video game all right I like that. So what's your favorite track to ride on the Valentino Rossi game? The arena stadium. We held our first race at. Okay. That's cool. So I didn't even ask you this question, but since you said that, is it going to be on a different track tonight? Um, yes, actually we're going to head to the Valentino official Rossi ranch. So oh, that'll, be, that'll cool. be the track of choice for Friday night. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Next question. Who's your favorite flat tracker of all time? God. I don't give you no easy questions. <laughs> That's a tough <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> I did not think about that one at all. Um, I'd have to say Chris Carr. All right. I like it. Just because like every, every time I met him, he was always like personal. He always asked what your name was to when he signed your poster or whatever. He was, he's a really, he was awesome. I, I'd say Chris Carr. Right on. I like that answer. That's good. So who's your favorite person to go bench racing with? Um, probably Cole Anderson. <laughs> All right. Uh, when heading out to the races, you have to bring your what? My pit mat. Your pit mat. Okay. I haven't heard that one yet before. Yeah. That's good. I like that. So do you follow the AFT series? I do. Okay. So who's going to be the next first time champion in the uh, big class, the super twins class? Ooh, I want to say Little Bauman, Bronson Bauman. I think he's he's got it. I do too. I think I'm right there with you. So, last question is kind of a tough one. We give credit on this one to Dave Despain, but what's what are you most proud of, Dustin Paul? I'm proud of the person that I am. I love helping people. That's awesome. That is that's a great quality to have for sure. So, uh, before we let you go, uh, you want to say thanks to anybody? I'd probably have to say thanks to my dad, uh, my uncle Jesse, and all the Andersons. Those are probably the biggest influential people of my racing career. 
Right on. That's awesome. Well, we appreciate the time. We appreciate you stopping by and talking about e-racing. A lot of people probably aren't even aware that's going on. So hopefully you get some more followers and some more contestants out there. And, and also want to say good luck this weekend at the ranch. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks, Scotty. All right, Dustin, man. I appreciate the time. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. So I know you knew this guy from ice racing. I didn't know this guy from anyone. Uh, like I said, I found him on in a Facebook group talking about e-racing, uh, and uh, he's doing some stuff on the Xbox side. I had to hear his story. I'm glad we gave him a call. I think it's super cool. Like, you know, with everything going on right now, any type of racing. I'm watching those iRacing NASCAR races every week, and it's just as entertaining. Uh, so it's cool to hear how that thing got started. Uh, what they're doing i guess they're running their second event tonight uh, i just got actually just he just sent me the heat lineups uh for for tonight so and i'm actually going to do some testing tonight to see if i can help uh cut some highlights for him and dude if we can get this thing streaming live i would love scotty dubler to announce some <laughs> e-racing you, 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 yeah you gotta admit you miss you miss announcing don't you oh yeah i definitely do you know i was watching the sprint cars you know from charlotte i missed it the other night when they're at knoxville iowa but uh I, I would love to, to announce some of the sprint car stuff. I know that's Johnny Gibson, who's the World of Outlaws announcer, but, you know, I get into it, man. I mean, it's it's exciting, and it's just like the real thing. I mean, it's not as loud. You can't feel the feel the vibration, but it's just like watching on your TV when you're at home. So, yeah, I definitely miss it. I would love to give it a shot. Um, are you are you going to race, or are you just going to watch this Hell one? I thought no, you'd been dude. practicing a little bit. Dude, I bought the game, and I started playing, and I started doing pretty well. Like, I was a... Uh, I was actually like running up front. I on, on the um, you could play the computer, or play the an AI, and I was actually beating Rossi, and I was getting kind of cocky. I was like, "Watch out, Carter's gonna whoop everybody's ass." And then uh, Andrew Butler said, "No, dude, you gotta you gotta ride manual on the pro level." And I was like, "I was on the easy level on automatic, and I was starting to get cocky." But right. dude, I turned on pro and manual, and I suck, suck. <laughs> It's, so. it's, it's, you know, it's like everything, Carter, you know, like flat track. Mm. When I was a little kid, it looked easy because you're just going around in circles, you know, until you try to do it. It's hard. It's so hard. <sighs> you know, motocross. Some people say that looks easy. NASCAR people say it looks easy until you do it. Well, this video game is the same way. It it's, is so hard, yeah. you know, to think about all these things you got to do with your fingers in split seconds. You don't have a long time to decide. I've been, and, uh, uh, and it's tough. Yeah, I've been hopping on with Corey while he's running laps and he's, he's, he's playing the whole, yeah, I'm all right. And then he's running like 34 second lap times when like he's a second off the pace with these guys on the Xbox side. Uh, I can't even like, I can't even make a time cause I can't even finish the race on time. So I, I'm not, I'm probably just going to help create highlights. I'm going to help organize it. I'm going to help, you know, do everything I can do to promote it. Uh, but I will definitely not be competing because that's just like throwing away money. And who knows? I might, hey. I might do that a couple of times if I get good enough to get within 20 seconds of, of the lap time. Cause it is fun, man. Like when you're starting the race and you're mixing it up with everybody, it's fun. And I, I can yeah. imagine like uh, it being a lot of fun if, if I'm able to hang, but if I'm not, I don't want to be just running around well, getting lapped four or five times in an event you can feel how excited you get and what was going on uh, you know it's it's almost like you're at a real race it's that exciting yeah. and you know your camaraderie with your friends that you're racing against you know the trash talking a little bit it's it's a cool deal and uh you know what it's better than no racing at all absolutely so we'll uh we'll post the facebook group information on this episode uh we'll also uh probably have a couple guests down the line maybe uh you know, I think uh, Brandon Kitchen's younger brother is the guy who won the first race. 
Uh, if he does pretty well and keeps a point lead, I told him we'd have him on for a quick interview for in the future. I don't know, man. We're just trying to have fun with it. And I'll have some highlights along with it, too. So people are having fun, trying to stay at home, keep busy, and keep entertained. I just think it's a super cool thing. And you never know, dude. If they come out with the flat track racing game, this could be a deal. You could have e-racing league and, and keep people interested, bring people into the sport. Nothing wrong with that. That's right. And I think it's cool that a little kid, well, I don't know how little he is. I heard he's 12 years old, but he's he's winning because he won the first race. And, and uh, Dustin Paul said that he dominated. They said he is on it. So yeah. uh, the kid must play a lot. And I know practice, practice, practice. So uh, I know you're working from home, but when you clock out, just jump on there and start practicing. Maybe I want to see you get in there. I definitely want to get in there. It's probably the most competitive I'll ever be in flat track. If I, <laughs> but I, I still suck. Um, so yeah, Corey, I think Corey's doing some big things uh, on the PlayStation four side. He's going to probably bring some, some sponsors into it and hopefully get the PlayStation side up to speed. Maybe even uh, throw on some events here in the next week or two. So um, stay tuned. Join the Facebook groups if you're interested that we're going to post in this along with this episode. Uh, even if you just want to watch what's going on, uh, join those groups. I'll be posting highlights. I'll be post- posting videos, pictures, and, and stats and all that stuff. I talked to Pete Ryan, who does the uh, Flat Track News account on Instagram, and I think he has a face. He has a Facebook. And he has a page on his face on his personal Facebook. He's gonna maybe post some stuff and uh, promote, help promote some of these some of these riders competing too, since you know, there's no bikes on track right now. So. I don't know, man. Like I said, just trying to have fun with the situation we're in and uh, keep ourselves busy, but still involved in flat tracking somehow, some way. That's cool. Race number two of their series is tonight. The first race was at the Misano Arena. I think this week for round two, they're going to Rossi's Ranch. That'd be cool, man. I, I know every year Sammy goes over there and uh, gets to ride, and I just I'm so jealous because that'd be so much fun. He actually took Thunder with them uh, before also, and we and. I just think that'd be so cool. And so that video game, man, it looks just like it. Yep, yep. And then he took Beach the next year, and they actually podiumed, right? Last, the most recent one they did? Yeah. yeah I think so. I don't know. I, I can't remember. I slept since then. All right. And we got to call Brian Smith, man, because I got to hear what the hell he's got to say for sure. Absolutely. You know, I, I think it's cool. You know, he liked how Ricky Howerton's interview went, but he said there's a few things he wanted to add, and he also wanted to talk about what, you know, me said on that other podcast, you know, that, that tank slapping podcast. So let's call him up. Let's do it. Hello. What's up, B. Smith? Oh, just sitting here waiting for the phone to ring. Well, uh, I mean, we're, we're like two minutes late. Are you going to be mad at me? or you want? I can blame it on Carter because he's not on right now, but uh, don't be mad at me. Yeah, damn that Carter guy. He's always late. <laughs> always. <laughs> he, I, I, told, I tell him every week I'm going to get him a, a watch for, for Christmas, and he said, I don't use a watch. So I'm like, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah, That's we, why you're always know. late. <laughs> we know. Now the, the, the secret's out. So what have you been doing, man? You've been riding your mountain bike? Yeah, just got home from a good ride. It's actually uh, pushing 70 degrees in Michigan right now. So that's kind of unheard of for this time of year. So definitely had to get out on the bicycle and uh, have some fun with some, some good friends of mine and uh, put in a good ride and just getting home. Well, you're, you're keeping your social distance by being six feet out in front of them at least, right? Oh, it was further than six feet. I was out in front. Don't worry. <laughs> I was just trying to be nice. I figured you'd probably ride with Buchanan. If, if I didn't say that, he'd probably kick my butt next time I saw him. So I had to had to be yeah. nice. Yeah, I ride with Pat Buchanan, Craig Pickett, uh, my good friend Jason Hensley's, uh Scotty Parker's nephew. Me and him go way back. And 
when Mies is in town, he rides with us a little bit, but we got a good little crew of guys that are all motorcycle related that, uh, that all have fun riding bicycles as much as motorcycles. So it's, it's a cool deal. Well, that's good. And it definitely, it keeps you in shape too. So it keeps up your, your, your reflexes and your, your legs keep in shape and everything else too. Right. Yeah. Don't forget the heart that's usually jumping out of your chest. So, uh, being that we're all buddies and we're all, uh, motorcycle guys, of course, it, we're, it's not <laughs> no easy cruise as a, everybody wants to beat the next guy and uh, go faster than the guy that, that he wants to show up that day. So it always hurts. No matter what you say so, going in, oh, this will be an easy ride. It's right, right. It never do is. Ha- <laughs> do you have a certain? Do you have a certain trail you ride every time? So you go the same distance, or you switch it all up? Nope, I'm uh, pretty fortunate for, which I didn't know about it till about five years ago. But there's uh, some really good mountain bike trails in Michigan. Believe it or not, um, it's not just flat um, corn country like I thought it was. Um, but there's actually probably hand handful five five different trails within 30 40 minutes of my house that i go to so it's been one of my biggest uh improvements to my training the last three four years is uh mountain biking and uh just getting out there i I like to have fun keep the training fun because it sucks so anytime you can uh be on two wheels is always a good thing and when you go with your buddies and you want to beat them there's only one way to do it that's to go hard so it hurts and uh it's good training that's cool. Do you, did you keep track of your average speed for this run, or do you guys even look at that? So there's, there's this app called Strava, and uh, it's a worldwide app. And uh, basically for that trail, anybody that, like, say you came and wanted to see how you stack up at this trail, you download Strava, it records from yeah. your phone, GPS. So it's kind of the telltale sign of how fast you're going. So as soon as you get to, get back to the parking lot, everybody's uploading their Strava to see where you're ranked, ranked up. And uh, obviously every trail is different, so the average speed's kind of out the window for uh, mountain biking. But that's the that's the judge, basically, is the old Strava. All right. So how did you end up today? Uh, seventh all time. Nice. Uh, which there's like, I don't know, a couple thousand people that ride this trail. So it's pretty cool to be in the top ten. You get a little trophy on the app and says you're cool. one of the one of the bad dudes. So the only trophy I've won this year, I'll take it. <laughs> so, so no king of the mountains today, though. No KOMs. Unfortunately, no. I'm about two minutes off. Getting that top oh. ten, it's some big game game to get up there, but faster than all my buddies that wrote it. So I'll I'll take. There you it. go. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a victory, right? You get a trophy, so. Uh, cool, cool job, man. That that's awesome. So uh, I, I know we talked earlier this week, and you said you, you listened to Howerton's podcast. He was on with us last week, and and I just want to know what you think of it. Did I ask the right questions? Did I get all the right answers you were looking for? Or you got some more hidden gems? No, I mean uh, it's <laughs> Ricky's a great storyteller, and then the whole story of uh, you know me meeting him. Uh, there's a couple of funny sides to it. One being I'm standing in Scott Parker's bar the best flat track racer ever me and him go way back yeah. and this guy introduces introduces himself and it's jeff gordon and i'm like oh the real jeff gordon huh you know which is obviously the jeff gordon that built my engines for a lot of the, the race wins and you know and you know the rest of the story he introduced me to ricky i see a street bike and i think i'm going to see some sportster with uh you know <laughs> side pipes and flat track tail section on it and uh-huh. walk in and see this cnc uh 
you know, factory, the next level of flat track, basically still the next level. The bikes that I raced in 2012 are still nicer than most of the stuff on the track. And so to walk in and see that, I was like, what, where, where am I at right now? You know? And, uh, right. obviously shortly, shortly after realized with talking to Ricky and seeing what he was capable of, like, like he said, <laughs> have you ever thought about racing this thing? That was, uh, it didn't take me long <laughs> to think about running that thing. So that's a funny, you know, pr- pretty cool story. Totally, total accident. And, uh, when I committed to ride that thing, you know, it was a little bit of a secret and finally did a little press release and, uh, me and Jared means are pretty good friends. And he calls me, he's like, man, you're going to ride that thing. The Harleys are winning all the races and blah, 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 blah. And, yeah, okay, I'm gonna ride it, and you know he finally wrapped his head around it, and we almost won that first race. And he's like, "Man, the thing's obviously pretty good." And we're driving down the road, and he's like, "Well, who who is they gonna get to ride it if if you didn't ride it?" I'm like, "There, there was no team. There wasn't gonna be anybody." <laughs> well, they would have probably got you know somebody. You know, they could have probably got a mid pack guy or something. And we like, yeah. oh, there there it was a street bike. It was really a street tracker. So it's funny. I, I still don't know if Jared believes me when I say like it was just an accident that uh, I met Jeff Gordon and he introduced me to Ricky Allerton and he had this really cool street bike that uh, ended up winning a lot of uh, Grand National races. So it's uh, pretty pretty cool. Uh, it was almost too easy, almost too uh, like a movie, you know. It ain't supposed to happen like that. It was such a cool story, and and listening to him tell it was was awesome. You could tell, you know, he, he you two just clicked right off the bat. You know, almost winning the first race, and then you win your you win a national the, the second race out on a new bike is it's unheard of. So I mean, obviously he's got good equipment. One thing I didn't get into very much is I didn't talk much about Jeff Gordon or about Dink. So can you elaborate on those two guys who are just as big a part of the team? I think you know they helped out week in and week out, right? Yeah, for sure. They've been, uh, it was cool, uh, you know, all the way through last year, they're both part of the team and, uh, we've all, all had a lot. I've gave them both victory laps. All the guys got victory laps. So that's pretty cool to work that hard and all of them get a victory lap. And, you know, they are both engine guys and do it all guys. Um, primarily they, they did the engines and, uh, Ricky did the chassis and, you know, obviously all the fabricating and stuff. And, but those guys, they'll, uh, as as everybody knows that's been around Ricky and seen his seen his the quality of work, it doesn't come easy. It's only from putting in the hours and uh Jeff and Dink will both vouch for how many hours it takes and those guys never bet in the eye. So I gotta you know, thank them as much as Ricky for years and years of uh hard work and countless hours very little pay at that. So I'm uh, forever thankful to all those guys for sure. Absolutely. Just a little while ago, you talked about hanging out at Scotty Parker's, you know, his bar out there. It used to be Petey's Pub. It used to be when he owned it. And, you know, you come from a, a long line of a lot of fast guys, and, and a lot of them live right there close to you. The, the Michigan history runs deep, but it's close by right where you're at right now. I know Bart Markell, you know, a, a three-time champ, Springer's from right there. Scotty Parker, you know, the winningest rider in history. Uh, Corky Keener's just right down the street from you. So, um Talk about what it's like to be a part of that, and and you're the next best thing. You're you're the next champion from Michigan. Yeah, it was uh, pretty pretty unique growing up. You know, as a kid, just riding a BMX bike, and then get a little Weisinger, and my dad's like, oh yeah, I kind of reconnected with one of my buddies that I went to high school with, and you know, uh, he he races flat track. We're gonna go ride behind his house, and 
meet this guy, Scott Parker. And at this time, he's just a dirt bike rider. And then, you know, shortly after that, turn on ESPN, and here he is holding up a big check and winning the Springfield Mile. We end up going down and watching a race. And how was I not going to want to be a flat track racer after meeting my dad's buddy <laughs> who's on ESPN the next week, you know, winning these right, big races, right. holding up these big checks with the trophy girls and everything else. So my parents even took me to a motocross track just in case I, they didn't want to, you know, brainwash me into being a flat tracker, but I was, you know, then you start, you know, you're going over Scotty Parker's house to ride on his track and there's Springer and going out to the lakes in the winter. And you'd have Marco out there. You'd have Springer out there. You'd have Parker out there. You'd have Corky Keener, Marco. I mean, there was like so many factory Harley guys that were out there that I'm just this kid on this 80, probably trying to chase down XR seven fifties and Rotexes and everything else. And they're heroes, they're legends, you know, and I'm out there just, just, just riding with the guys at the link. So it was uh, cool to grow up with them, but you also knew you had to, like, for me, I always looked at it as I want to be one. I want to be recognized as one of those guys. I want to, I want to put in the work. I want to win races and uh, win a championship and be one of the Michigan mafia. And uh, it took a long time to get there. You know, you're that little kid and, you're just getting your ass kicked every time you go riding with these guys. How am I ever going to keep up? How, how am I ever going to beat them? And I'm thankful to all those guys. They all gave me a lot of advice and they're all still great friends of mine. And uh, it's just cool to be in this area. It's uh, probably one of the coolest things about Michigan is there's all the heroes that everybody hears about, but there's so many guys that were on the verge of being one of the heroes that just didn't make it that are still plenty fast enough to be a pro let alone win some races that just didn't make it maybe didn't uh, pursue the flat track life. Cause sometimes it can be a pain in the ass so that, you know, got a job at GM or whatever, but there's so many guys, fast guys in this area. That's just spread from, from the legends that, that makes this the hotbed. It's not just because of the legends, but so many guys that are fast that nobody's ever heard of. That's what's cool about it. Well, I, I there's so many guys. I mean, I have a Michigan mafia poster and I swear that it, it could be double in size and there'd be still, you know, putting more and more riders on there. I mean, like adding Henry Wiles on there later on. Then, you, you know, uh, Brian Bigelow and, and I mean, and, you know, Brian Atherton, Kevin Atherton, the list could just go on and on about how many fast guys, Pat Buchanan, you know, and some of these guys never even made it up and, and won a Grand National, but they're all part of the Michigan Mafia. Yeah, they're they're all part of the Mafia. And I think. Uh, our our good buddy Bert Sundman, the, the flat track historian, at one time I can't remember what he said. If if Michigan had more national numbers than California, but it was like real close. And obviously California is a way bigger state, so I'd say I'd say Michigan's definitely winning for the the most national numbers ever. But he can probably, back that up. <laughs> and probably probably most well it has to be the most wins ever because you know i mean so many people sure, from up there sure. have won yeah i mean you guys are probably dominating that probably most championships too because you know just add add the ones we've talked about up you're you're already over you know 10 or 11 just from the three or four as we talk about so uh man i i think it's incredible so there's definitely something in the water so i got a question for you you know, you're back on the factory Harley team with Vance and Hines. Did you talk it over with, with Springer or Parker or, you know, you, you mentioned Corky Keener's down the street from you. Did you talk your, your new venture over with any of those guys or just kind of go with your gut feeling and talk to your dad about it? Or, or did you just go with it? No, nah, I mean, uh, 
I, I didn't really need to talk to those guys, put it that way. Um, I, okay. I, I won't say ideas off of Parker in the, in the past on stuff, but um, this is kind of like me and Ricky Howard and me and him have become best friends through this whole flat track thing, which is re- another really cool thing. Not very many friendships are made in the flat track. Usually they're torn apart. <laughs> but right. um, basically me and Ricky, you know, there was interest from Vance and Hines and Harley to, to do the deal. And I said I wouldn't do it unless Ricky was part of it. And Ricky said he wouldn't do it unless I was the rider. So it was a package deal. And I trust him to sort out the bikes. And he trusts me to tell him what's wrong with it and win the races. So it was cool to, to kind of go there as a mini team and uh, to get it done, hopefully, here one of these one of these months coming up. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I hope so too. So a lot of those guys, you know, have rode for the factory Harley team that, that are from Michigan. Do they have any thoughts on the new XG and, and what, you know, what they think you're going to do on it? Or have you even talked to them about it yet? Uh, yeah, me and Parker have, have went over it a few times. I was over at his house for some years. He's only, there's a couple of miles down the road and, uh, you know, he said, how is it? You know, they struggled before. What's the problem? And, you know, he's he's confident in me because he, he's seen what I've uh, done with the Kawasaki, developed that into a race-winning bike when nobody else really could. So a championship-winning bike when nobody else could. And, uh, you know, he's confident I'll get it done. So, um, you know, he he knows I'm probably more technical than most of the racers. So he, he's confident and uh, he's excited to see it. He he hopes I can uh, win, it, win on the orange and black and bring it back to the hometown here. How important is it to you to get that first win on the XG? I mean, I think like we've talked before when leading up into Daytona, you know, you weren't really looking forward to Daytona, but you're looking for the round track. So is it important that you're the first one to win on the, on the XG or do you just want to be part of that team? It would definitely be extra cool to be the first guy to win on the XG. Um, and the way the season's shaping up with it, probably starting on a mile, my chances are way better than it starting on a TT. That's no lie. Um, I was right. looking forward to Daytona because it had the potential to be one of the biggest, fastest TTs we've ever seen. So I was kind of excited, but I'm not mad at all if we start on a mile. And I'll be pretty, pretty confident going there. I can tell you that. You know, more importantly, to get a win on it, period. I'd definitely like to be the first guy, but to get a win on it, period, it would give me, a, I think that'd be my fourth different type of twin cylinder bike I've won on. So uh, right. it'd be pretty, pretty cool. Just another feather in the cap, you know, and I hope I'm the first guy to do it. I've set up the bike for the guys, so I don't want to have them beat me on my own bike. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> you better, you better be the one, right? So yeah, no uh, pressure. I better just get it done. Yeah. We, uh, we talked before we got on this call, uh, you know, uh, earlier in the week and, and there's some things said on this tank slapping podcast a little bit. And, and I just want to know, is Jared Meese a part of the Michigan mafia? Cause he lives there or did you guys accept him, or do you have to be born in Michigan to be part of the mafia? Well, you know, there for a while, you're supposed to be born in, in, in the state of Michigan. And then obviously he wasn't, well then, okay, he's, he's all right. He pays taxes in Michigan. So we'll, we'll kind of let him slide. <laughs> But now yeah. he's got a Florida residence, and he doesn't pay Michigan taxes. So hell no, he ain't part of the Michigan mafia anymore. So he's out. <laughs> he's out. Yep. He strikes you're out. I got you. That's funny. So uh, I think about a week ago, I saw a post on your Instagram, and and uh, you're pouring some badass beer on your back tire, and then you kind of brushing it on there and trying to soften the tire a little bit, and it ended up being badass beer, which is Kid Rock's brand of beer. So. Was that all just uh, just an, another jab at Jared? Or are you just having fun up there in Michigan, nothing else to do? 
Yeah, that was an old clip, but uh, a little bit of a throwback. But that was uh, back in 2015 when Jared might have had illegal tires, might not have, I don't know. But was just kind of having some fun with it. Kid Rock's become a friend and was a sponsor at the time. And, you know, there was a little jab at him. And uh, I don't know nothing about treating tires, but I like beer. So I figured I'd see how it worked and won quite a few races that year. So, uh, you know, I think it was all right. <laughs> Yeah, I think so too. And and on that podcast, me said he loved it when when people gave him a hard time. It kind of fired him up. So should we just back off a little bit, or you want to want to save that for another time? Nah, I mean he 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 says that, but uh, I think it gets under his skin in the in the wrong way sometimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he's one of the. Uh, I'm trying to think of the correct word here. I don't want to sound yeah. like an insult, but. You almost can't talk about Jared without putting it to the right to the insult line, and and he'll agree with that. He'll tell you, I'm a pain in the ass. I'm I'm gonna ride you for everything you got. I'm gonna take your lunch money. I'll take my grandma's lunch money, and uh, yep. so it don't matter if we're talking about mountain biking, treating tires. He's gonna talk to you till you're blue in the face, and by the time he's done talking, <laughs> you're gonna agree with him, even though at the start of it you were arguing with him. Yeah, and that's just your take it or leave it. <laughs> at the end of the day, you just you want to be done with that conversation, and move on to something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so on that podcast, he said you guys have pretty much made up and are, are pretty good friends now. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, uh, here in the last couple of years, it, it I I think mostly because we're getting to be the. I mean, I am the oldest guy out on the circuit unless Pegram decides to show up or something. But, um, you know, it's it's almost like we can't relate to these younger kids. It's getting harder, and I never thought I'd say that. And I know damn well he never thought he'd say that. But kind of like we have the same stuff in common. We enjoy training. Um, you know, we both have some rental properties, you know, and all that. So it's kind of made us become friends. But I'll tell you what, when he first moved to Michigan, I had to do a lot of uh, vouching for him because he wasn't making many fans around here. So <laughs> finally got him in the, in the mix and everything was cool. And uh, then we had our rivalry there for a couple of years and we were going back and forth and might've had to hit pause on our friendship for a minute just because, uh, uh, you know, I'm the Michigan guy and here comes this Pennsylvania guy winning all the races, stealing my thunder. What yeah. the hell, you know, every time I had a misfortune, he'd win a championship and, I'd go to the bike shop. They're talking to me about it. I go to my gym. He's talking. They're talking to me about it. So yeah, I got a little old once in a while. And then you know there was these rumors of him cheating with his tires. And then I had to hear about all that. So yeah, I had to hit hit pause with Jared. And and uh, but yeah, we've we've <laughs> we've made up for it uh, since then over some beers and everything's uh, everything's good now. We we ride a little bit together and have fun. Right on, man. I know it's got to be tough, you know, friends, not friends, you know, enemies on the track and, and, you know, you try to beat each other. You know, I, I, I didn't want to get beat by anybody either, but, you know, racing gets your friends has to be tough. And, you know, you have to, at some point you have to put your, you know, you put your friendship beside, you know, and go after that guy and try to beat him. So, uh, everyone's family and flat track, and I'm glad you guys made up and, uh, and man, I just appreciate appreciate you stopping by here on off the groove. And, uh, I can't wait to get back to racing, man. I'm so bored. Yeah, it's uh this whole pandemic's uh, obviously unfortunate for everybody, but of course us flat track racers things were were the first priority. So I can't wait to get back to race and I hope it's the first uh, major major sporting event to happen. Uh it'll be it'll be great for multiple reasons, but uh, yeah, I'm getting bored. I can't wait. 
Right on. Well, we'll keep her on two wheels on that uh, mountain bike and keep uh, setting records and beating all your friends. And, and again, thanks for stopping by <laughs> Off the Groove. Yep. Thanks, Scotty. And I uh, hope to see you guys uh, soon. And everybody that's uh, listening, come on out to the races when they get fired up. Thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yep. Later. Dude. Dude. He cracks me up, man. He's funny. Every time. I love B. Smitty. I could sit and talk stories with him for a long time. And, and uh, you know, that's some things that I do miss about when I was racing, you know, driving to all these races. You have plenty of time to sit and visit, and then you get to the races, you get to hang out with your friends and stuff like that. So uh, it's pretty cool just to just to catch up with him and, and hear, you know, how he's so closely entwined with the Michigan Mafia guys. They're all right there, right by his house. Yeah, dude. I'm, I think I'm more excited to see what he does on a Harley in 2020. When... We go racing, not if. When I, I like it, but you know what? They're they're bringing a lot of a lot of history. They've learned things from the first couple of Kawasaki's that were built for street bikes, to their newest, latest creations of Kawasaki's that they won the championship on, the Indian. He said they learned a lot, and if you remember right, they built their own Indian that was a lot different than everybody else's Indian, and that was about the time when Smith got hurt down there at the Texas Half Mile. So. They can take all this knowledge, and they struggled a little bit last year. Ricky admitted it, Brian admitted it, and they both learned more than they've learned ever before. So, you know, not only winning all the time, but losing sometimes makes you try harder. It makes you realize things and and try different things. So I'm looking forward to them on the XG750 factory Harley-Davidson Vance & Hines bike, you know, and... I think we're going to see one up front this this year. I, I do not disagree with that statement. And, you know, what I'm most excited about, too, is, you know, from the banter in the past two weeks and the live thing that you did uh, just, just yesterday, Mies and Smith are going back and forth and going at it again. So I'd love to see them off the track do that. I can't wait to see them when they're on the track doing it. And now it's going to be the classic Harley-Davidson versus Indian. That's as far yeah. back as motorcycles go. It's always been Harley versus Indian. And it looks like we're going to have another Harley Indian matchup again in, in 2020. Can't forget those other two Harleys that are going to be out there, too. Vanderkoy has been going strong on um, the past couple of years. I think he's due for Absol- one. And uh, who, who knows what that kid's going to do when he when he jumps on a hog. Should be fun. I mean, he, what he did in the production twins was badass. I'm sure he'll he'll, he'll make some noise in the uh, in the twins, super twins. Sorry. Class as well. I, I think he will. I think, you know, what he doesn't know will only make him go harder and faster. You know, I mean. Some of these guys are a little bit older, though. They might be not as aggressive. Well, Dalton maybe hasn't found that fine line where you can go to the edge of the of being safe and falling off. And, you know, he hasn't fallen off a whole lot. So he's still he's still learning. He's still getting faster. And and to have him, you know, with help from Ricky Howerton, help from his teammate Jared Vandekoy, help from his teammate Brian Smith, that team is going to be tough. Yeah, I think uh, I think Brian has the advantage though going into the first one. If we do in fact start on a mile, for sure. Yeah, the only thing that I you know I was listening close when when I had him, we had him on the AFT show last night. Jared said that the the red mile is like a little bit bigger half mile. He said it's got a real fine notch on the bottom. Yeah, and he said so it's not it's not where you know Brian Smith can outfox him and outdraft him and stuff like that. He said kind of got to outride him so Meese already has that in his head and Meese hasn't been beat there yet so it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds because you know now maybe maybe Smith spikes just as fast we'll have to wait and see well I I think definitely Smith has the advantage of all the Harleys but Meese is an animal on that mile in Kentucky and and when we were on tank slap and he actually even said that like that's the race that he would have picked if he was going up against Smith on any mile 
it would be Red Mile just because of his dominance there in the past. So who knows, right. man? We'll, we'll, we'll definitely hopefully get that get that race and fix here soon. See what they've done as far as changes to the XG and if it, if it does make a difference. Absolutely. So one more thing before we uh, sign off. Don't forget, if you guys want to call in, send a message, leave a voicemail, I guess, for Ollie. They are doing that. They're still checking them, and they're playing them for Oliver Brindley over there in England. 352-639-2924. Got the 24 at the end. That's Oliver's number, of course. I actually called him earlier this week and and just said, hey, man, uh, we did it when we first uh, came up with the idea. Um, but I hadn't done it, so I just called and, and I wasn't didn't have anything particular to say to him. I just told him I was thinking about him, told him what I was doing that day. Um, and then I realized that I guess he was playing some of this e-racing stuff, uh, not not online or anything, but he would like play with uh, with Butler and some other people, too. So so I, I can't wait to call him again and tell him that we're, we're working on this little e-racing thing during the quarantine. It'll be good. That's awesome, man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he's getting the message. Hopefully he likes him. Hopefully he puts a smile on his face. So I uh, appreciate everyone who's reached out to him and, and keep it going. Yeah, dude. All right. Well, is there anything else you got going on? Nope. Just going to try to stay safe and uh, healthy. And uh, I'm done going outside for a little while. I mowed the grass and weeded, and now I can't breathe. So hopefully I don't have the corona. Hopefully it's just <laughs> the uh, Oklahoma allergies. I think it's just the pollen, man. But, uh, but yeah, stay inside, stay safe. Uh, and we'll do this again next week. Sounds good. I'll talk to you. Actually, I'll see you next week, but I'll talk to everybody else next Friday. Thanks for all the listens. Thanks for the follows. Smash that like button. Tell all your friends about Off The Groove. We certainly appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next week. Peace! that perfect